Hello and welcome to the Take It EV podcast, episode 32.3.2. Today's episode is about life with disability and EVs. Accessibility, usability and how we well can benefit from it. It is also a bit of a reminder that um, a lot of us and or our family members, uh, probably at some life, point in life, we will need some form of assistance in our driving or mobility. But John, uh, who's my today's guest, is is a super funny guy. If you've never interacted with him on Twitter, I'll leave his uh, details in the um, in the description below. Uh, his uh, McBeardy face on Twitter is is a super funny guy. Um, he's also running Kent EV Group. Uh, so if you live in Kent in in the UK, uh, you know just the usual places and uh, come and uh, join us for have a to have a chat. And there's a meetup in person. Just come, and I might be there in person, actually. Um, and now, on with the show. Oh, well, hello. Uh, I'm John Brooks, um, known quite a lot on social media with uh, electric vehicles as Beardy McBeardface. Um, I've owned an EV for two years now, um, but I've been sort of bumbling around in the, the EV sector or marketplace for probably four nearly five years um my road to evs started watching an episode of the gadget show when robert llewellyn was a guest and craig charles asked said to him oh how's your little youtube channel going and i thought well i like robert llewellyn quite a lot so i'll have a look at that and i watched the entire back catalogue of the uh, fully charged that there was at that time and i became hooked and i said to my wife the the next car we get as if i can do it, it will be electric um and fortunately enough we managed to get a, a bmw i3 through the motability scheme and uh yeah it's been really good i've really enjoyed the car and i i love evs and everything about them really that was the, the that was back in the day when Robert Llewellyn was just doing things, you know, on his own almost before he uh, joined forces with with other people and actually his little channel became, you know, a, pretty much a, a major business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Um, I mean, the early episodes, it looks like somebody's done the graphics with a with a pen and sort of made them up, and the sort of audio and video quality was really lacking. And he's come on leaps and bounds and fully charged as I think it's probably the EV po- uh, YouTube channel now. Yeah. I mean, I know I've heard it, it whispers that the TV companies are desperate to get them onto the terrestrial TV. Um, but they're saying they don't want to do it because they'll lose their editorial control. Um, we, and we've seen that recently in some of the uh, documentaries that have come out. Um, we see it quite regularly with the the BBC's flagship motoring TV program, um, who I won't mention because I absolutely hate it now, um, <laughs> yeah, having been an avid well. fan for years. But I'm really uh, pleased to see that Fifth Gear on Channel 5 are actually just going to be about EVs now. They've rebranded yeah. the show and it's just going to be about electric vehicles. Yeah, I the, the, yeah, I, I kind of... Uh, I I understand that you know it's the sort of the sad thing about humans is that uh, we get attra- we are attracted to drama. So if you just make it all nice and positive, people are not going to tune into that particular show, or, or or they'll change the channel. But at the same time, you know the journalist will say, "Oh, um, we want something that's fair and balanced," but they 
they give the sort of ne- the negative story too much weight. Uh, depend, you know, ba- if if they were trying to be fair, fair and balanced, they would have mentioned, oh, in a passing, like, oh yeah, some people do have issues, and then let's move on. <laughs> but anyway, we're we're not here to talk about those things. So, <laughs> like, luckily, you know, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't like the the the, the not should the one that shall not be mentioned. BBC program. Uh, it used to be just an entertainment show, and I liked it for that. But now, you know, I think they're trying they're trying to keep the entertainment value still in there, and I just find it too. Uh, just too i can't watch it basically it's just uh, um anyway um so going going back to so you've you've had the um you've had the uh, bmw i3 for two years now how how often do you change the cars sort of through the mobility scheme um the normal lease period on them is three years and but you can have an option at the end of that to extend them to five so mine will be due for change september next year um, and we've already decided that we're not going to hang on to it. We're going to look for a, yeah, another EV. We need something a bit larger with a bigger boot. Um, my mobility scooter just fits in the boot of the i3, but it leaves very little room for anything else. And Mrs. McBeardface wants a boot where she can put shopping in rather than having to put it in the back seats all the time. So, yeah, we'll be looking for a bigger EV in the, well, probably in the start of the new year, I would imagine I'll start looking. Yeah, sounds exciting. And you know now there's so much on the market. I'm sure you you're, you're going to find something for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first looked at Motability when we were looking two years ago, there were only probably up to twenty EVs available. And now okay. uh, that's on the scheme. Um, obviously, there I think there were more available in in the world. Um, and now I think they're up to about ninety EVs available. Again, in the real world, there are more available, but not every EV that's available is on the scheme. Um, so you know they they pick the chooses and choose the cars that they can get the uh, the best deals from the manufacturers. Yeah, of course. Um, so not every EV will appear on there. Uh, the ones that are really missing that I would like to see appear on there are the Teslas, particularly with the Model Y. I think the Model Y would really suit us. Is an insert from the editor editor at the moment. Um, I am trying to get somebody from Motability to appear on my podcast. They've been uh, very slow to respond. If you're on Twitter, write to them and ask them if they could please appear and answer some questions and just chat with me, please. Uh, now back to the interview. I'm guessing Tesla's not doing Motability altogether because it's probably it's probably a, a, a the OEMs have to sell it at, at a cost or sort of lower price. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure how the mechanics work um, with Motability in terms of what they look for in term, in when they do the deal. Um, but it would be nice, I think, if somebody from Tesla and somebody from Motability could sit down and have a chat because um, I think they would be great cars to have on the scheme, the Model 3 and the Model Y. That's true, yeah. Well... I'll, I'll ins- if I if I have any answers from Motability people, I'll insert them here. Yeah, it might be <laughs> that be a good question to ask them. Why haven't you got Tesla on the scheme? Um, a lot of people ask me about my uh, disability history, um, and I don't mind talking about it because I think it helps if other people have the same issues or are going through that sort of thing. Um, I most of my working life, I was pretty fit and healthy. Um, I developed a rheumatoid arthritis when I worked well, back in 1997-ish because it was just before my daughter was born 
Um, I thought it was a frozen shoulder, and I was told that, no, you've actually got arthrit- rheumatoid arthritis uh, in your shoulder and a couple of other joints. And up until 2012, it was managed quite well with tablets and the odd checkup. And then um, I was working at sea um, at the time, I'm a commercial boat skipper, and so spent a lot of time out on the water. Um, and I was finding that I was losing my manual dexterity, so I was losing, able to be able to pick up things like coins, which I find really frustrating. Um, what else? I couldn't grip handrails. I was struggling to bend down to pick stuff off off the deck. Went to see the doctor, and he said that your rheumatoid arthritis has developed to a stage that you're basically riddled with it now. Um, it's in most joints in your body, and you really need to think about coming off the water um, because if you come off a wave wrong and it's a little bit too hard and you get a jolt on your spine, it could end up putting you in a wheelchair permanently. So at that point, we decided that I would stop being at sea. I was also finding that the other things that I was training for, like elect- um, electronics and a radio engineer, because of the manual dexterity, I couldn't do that. Uh, I can't sit up in a chair for too long because that starts to hurt my back. Um, And because of the way the arthritis has affected my hands and my wrists, using a standard computer keyboard for any length of time is really difficult. Um, So it was decided that probably the best bet for me was to retire on medical grounds. Um, It was a big, tough decision because I really love being at sea. I really love that job. yeah, I can, I can imagine it's very hard. Uh, I mean, it, it is one of those things we all forget about. Is the uh, I can't remember the exact figures. I should probably Google it. Um, but quite a lot of quite a large portion of society at some point in life will end up being disabled one way or the other. Like we, you know, we live much longer now than we used to hundred odd years ago. But the downside is that some some of the things can't be medically addressed, and we just have to live with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, there are hundreds and thousands of people with some sort of disability some of them are life-changing some of them are life-limiting um and some of them they don't actually impact people very much sadly for me um because of the rheumatoid arthritis because of the fact that i have type 1 diabetes they both autoimmune diseases which are obviously attack the your body from the inside out and what i didn't realize is that rheumatoid arthritis actually attacks your arteries and you start to get problems with your blood circulation and obviously type 2 type 1 diabetes has that effect as well so in uh, 2014 i suffered a heart attack um and i had some stents fitted but then a few years later in 2017 i started to suffer heart problems again and i ended up having to have a uh, triple bypass so with all those things culminating, it seemed that from 2013, my health decided to, to take a nosedive, really. Well, you know, um, everyone who knows you, like, sees you as a sort of uh, person that's, you know, very, very sort of mobile and, and, and full of life. And certainly you're known for your jokes. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't, sadly, I didn't know you before the uh, um all your problems have started so uh i don't know how that compares but you know um we 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 very much appreciate your presence in the in the ev community <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> um, uh, i've always been a bit of a joker even you know even from school um 
I've also was told that I could uh, talk the hind legs off a donkey. And my deputy head at my secondary school said that you could be able to sell sand to the Arabs, um, was his, what he said to me. Um, so that I think that helped me in life because I did do a number of sales jobs. Um, I, one of the companies I worked for for quite a while, my nickname there was Comedy John because if there was a, uh, a joke or a jape going on in the office, I was normally somewhere behind it. <laughs> That's that's not a bad reputation to have. Like um, sometimes, you know, I wish I I was a bit more jokey in life. And sales is one of those things that uh, it's it's a it's a it's a skill that's very hard to learn and be natural in it. So you know. yeah, I one of the things that uh, one of the, uh, probably one of the things that got me by was I always was of the uh, mindset that I would never slag off my competition. Um, because I think that degrades you as a person if all you're going to do as an effort to sell something is slag off the competition. So my ethos on it was to just be open and honest, and I would even praise some of the competition's products if I felt that they were better than in some areas than ours were. Um, and I think my customers appreciated that honesty, because you don't always get that in sales. No. And also I wasn't a double-glazing salesman, so it wasn't a high-pressure sale. I would like, I was more on building a relationship with the customer, building trust with the customer. And I think that's the same with the people I know now is that you, I just try and be honest and open with them. And I try and build trust with people that are in my life. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very good approach. So, so not, not, not everybody knows, but you are a person behind Kent EV meetup sort of group, right? Yeah, um, I um Obviously, Neil Roberts founded Sussex EVs, which was one of the first EV owner groups. Um, he gently persuaded me with an arm up behind my back that maybe I, we should start a group in Kent, which we did. And then Neil and I started the EV group Nexus, which for anybody that doesn't know, is where all of the heads of all of the EV owners groups around the country get together um, we have a, a large WhatsApp group where we discuss ideas. We plan for a major event so that we go as the EV Group Nexus, which represents every, well, almost every EV owners group uh, throughout the United Kingdom and also the Republic of Ireland. Um, so we've got hundreds and thousands of members all around the UK and Ireland. And, you know, there's one marquee or one stand or stall at an event that will be us all together, all basically we're singing from the same hymn sheet, which I think works really, really well. Yeah, and also helps to have, um, you know, apart from like things like insurance and other things, helps to have a, a consistent uh, message and, and you know, like you say, you help each other because um, EV ownership, at least, you know, before 2020, used to be a very sort of grassroots movement um, and people, like like in any other sort of uh, types of uh, uh, ownership like like EVs you know people who own classic cars or whatever they like to meet together and and chat basically so um it, it's it's i think that helped massively uh, uh with the the adoption i've i've seen I've, i went to I've, i've been to so many EV meetups and i've always noticed that there will be somebody lurking around and just asking questions and people were very always very helpful Yeah, that's one of the nice things that I really like about the, the EV community, 
because on the whole, everybody is just so nice and they're so willing and open to talk about EVs and about their particular journey. And as you say, whenever we hold an EV meet in Kent, there'll always be a few people that are are using the car park or the chargers in the area that we decided to meet at that actually, you know, what's going on there? You know, they all look like electric cars. Let's go over. And they come and ask questions. And I also know that although we don't offer test drives, there's a few people that have taken people out for ride-alongs for a quick lap of a few roundabouts locally so that they can actually get in the EV and experience what it's like being a passenger, at least, in an electric vehicle. Yeah, I, th- I think we we often do a better job than salespeople at local garages. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> um, we At the end of the day, we're not trying to sell a particular brand. We're just trying to sell electric vehicles. Um, and, you know, that's what we talk about, the benefits of electric vehicles. Uh, and I think that's great. Um, and everybody's passionate about it, and I hope that that continues for a long time. So, with the, just just to go going back to sort of uh, you know uh, living with disability and and EVs, do you think it's easier to sort of to operate a car like an EV when you're a disabled person? Obviously, it depends on the disability. Uh, and how how would that compare to an a nice car? Is there any? Are there any downsides uh, uh, compared to having a nice car as a as a sort of disabled person? Well, I think most disabled people find that they will need an automatic vehicle. So the fact that most, sorry, most every EV has only got two gears, forward and reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, for a start, means that that's much better for the vast majority of disabled people. Um, you haven't got to worry about smelly, dirty diesel and petrol um, being put into your car. Um, yes, you have to plug in your car, but there, it's just a much better driving experience. And also charging is actually, no matter what's said sometimes in the national media, charging an EV is much easier than filling in a, a petrol or diesel car. Um, for a disabled person, if you have a problem standing for any length of time, if you're filling with petrol or diesel, you've got to stand there all the time that you're filling your car. Yeah. Whereas with an electric car, you can plug it in and then wander off. Um, I know for me personally, I will plug in a car at a rapid charger, I'll sit down and I'll listen to an audio book. And I'm quite happy sitting in the car listening to an audio book whilst my car's charging. Um, okay. Or if I'm with Mrs. McBeard face, we might go into whatever amenities are there, get a coffee, um, sit around and, and whatever. But, yeah, there are dis- lots of distinct advantages. And I think with if, um, well, I say if, when wireless charging, wireless charging becomes more popular, I think that will be even better for disabled people because they haven't got to get out of their cars and plug it in. You can just yeah. turn up at a wireless charger, sit there, wait till it's charged, and off you go. Yeah, I actually haven't thought about that. Um, I've, you know, I've got a. I'm on the fence. No, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm, I know from a practical point of view, like physical point of view, wireless charging is probably not going to be the the. Uh, not, it's not going to replace cables uh, ever, but it's going to be a, a good addi- addition to what we have. Uh, you know, for those reasons. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't see, for instance, everybody that's got a drive having wireless charging pads dug into their driveways. 
No. Um, because that's going to be a lot of money compared to having a bo- wall box. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're out and about and, you know, they've dug up the tarmac and they've, they've laid it in, because um, they've still got to dig up the site to put in all the cables and everything for a stand-up charger. So putting a wireless pad under that, they, I don't think would be much more expensive. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that we will see wireless charging, rapid charging sites appear. But it, as you say, it won't replace the cables. It will be an add-on. It won't be an either-or. It will be as well as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is good. I, I've, I had an I had a sort of ranty episode a while a while back about wireless charging and why on, on in general it's a it's a bad idea, but it, but there are niche sort of uses for it, and I think uh, that's kind of you know there's there's loads of stand, uh, startups that. Uh, talk about it and have practical uh applications but you usually don't don't hear about them after a year when the money runs out um and it's a, it's a bit of a shame but um but yeah maybe maybe it's just well, like maybe it should be something from from your perspective you know maybe it should be something we be should be pushing for a bit more um but we'll see how it goes um yeah I mean, one I day, think- I think really the only big company that I think have actually looked into it and done something with it is ABB. Yeah. Um, because I know the safety car and the medical car for Formula E, they sit on wireless charging pads at the races. Um, okay. So, and I think from what I understand, it's a movable pad. So they can take it from race to race. They put it on the floor. Um a bit like the stuff that you see that they put inside um, marquees for rally cars, that interlocking flooring yeah. that you can park a car on. I think it's a bit of that that they put on the floor. The car sits over it, and it you know it charges, and away it goes. Yeah. Um, but yes, as you say, there are lots of startups that talk about it and then disappear after say six months. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of startups in the EV sector covering everything to do with EVs that will suddenly appear with a really good idea. And then, as you say, once the money the money runs out, then it doesn't go any further. Because um, yeah. we're already seeing lots of companies jumping on the bandwagon to be part of the EV space. Well, it's a, it's a hot market at the moment, isn't it? It's an yeah. upcoming market, so it's, it's good to be there. Um, but sadly, quite often they don't... They don't uh, they don't look back at what's been done before and they're trying to reinvent the wheel and, uh, you know, dug up the dead horse, as they say. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, the other alternative is obviously that we turn up at the at the service station and there's a robotic arm plugging, uh, you know, plugging into our car. Um, it's funny because that's exactly what I was about to say, that, you know, there are already robotic arms, although they are sort of prototypes um, that I've seen mostly for plugging in Teslas. Um, but yeah, that would be super be able to pull up and then it, it does it all for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually probably easier, uh, a problem to solve than the wireless charging personally. <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, robotics and is, is probably way ahead of wireless charging. Oh, I'm sure it is. Um, yeah. and, and the trouble with wireless charging is physics, right? The, um, you always kind of have losses and, and you have to have contact between the, the two sort of uh, um, coils 
they have to be close to each other and, and yeah. in line with each other. And as you know, there's, you know, if you get them a little bit off, uh, the, the losses are massive. Um, and that heats up the environment around you. So that's not great. Um, no. a, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's loads of things that are basically not, the, the wireless is basically not an answer to, to sort of the, re, it's not the replacement, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting, uh, thing, but, uh, I, I think the reason why nobody's pursuing the the robotic arms idea is the um, is that it's not as sexy of a solution as wireless charging. It's the same reason why people are still talking about hydrogen for every everything because you know this is um, a, a beautiful notion that you know you just get the water out of it and that's somehow the best thing ever uh, and you kind of ignore everything else. It's the same thing with wireless charging. You know the idea that you just turn up and stop and something happens that's like the best solution the trouble is nothing works that easy in life no i mean we already see it now with you know wireless charging for phones i mean i've got a wireless charger here at home for my phone and it's a nightmare because if you haven't got the phone in exactly the right place it doesn't charge yeah so yeah yeah, i I understand the uh the pitfalls of wireless charging and don't get me started on hydrogen you know my thoughts on that (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I used to be very excited about hydrogen when I was young, uh, but then I learned physics and, you know, <laughs> uh, and yeah. The uh, Speaking of wireless charging, this is why Apple, for instance, have done a very simple solution to the wireless charging misalignment. They just put magnets in the back. So you're, um, uh, when you have the one of the newer iPhones, uh, the wireless pad just kind of snaps into place yeah. with a magnet. And... I I love that solution. It's the best solution ever. It's like the simplest solution. Um, it it's a bit noisy because when you put your phone down on the uh, on that pad, it makes a you know heck of a noise. Um, but you you kind of guaranteed that it's going to be aligned. Uh, and that way they were able to increase the the amount of power that can uh, uh, feed through, which is also, yeah. also a good thing. I mean, um, my my watch is a wireless charger, um, yeah. and um, it's a Show Me um, rather than an Apple Watch. But again, mm-hmm. it's, it locks on in place with a magnet and it charges spot on. It locks itself in place. It knows where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I did have an Apple Watch before that and it did exactly the same. It was really good. Yeah. The, the only downside is the Apple charging products are way, way more expensive than some of the other stuff that's available. And you don't get that with the cheaper mock products. Yeah, that's true. But I, I do like the simplicity of the fact that they just decided to put a magnet in there. To me, that's that's a that's an ex- elegant solution to the uh, you know a massive problem of of like I say of wireless charging in general. Um, yeah, and ABB you know is one of those companies they they've been around um, electrical sort of charging and battery solutions for decades now. Uh, I don't know how old they are, but uh, I know they've been they've been on the ball for a long time because. Uh, one of the places I go to very often, Krakow in Poland, um, uh, they've got a massive office there, and um, I think all the charging, all the electric buses that they have, have ABB chargers, uh, and you see their logos everywhere. Yeah. Cool. Um, what else can we talk about? Uh, I, I, I'll be, I, you know, because because you've been you've been very active in uh, uh, in the EV space, and like you say. You, you, you've 
created the or you put together the the Kent EVs uh, group. Um, have you done any, anything like this sort of on the other side of things? You know that I I wouldn't know about. Like, do you have any meetups with other sort of disabled people? I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm using this as a sort of bad term. I don't know what it will be the replace the, the better way of putting it, but. Um, do you have any other meetups or any other groups on the other side of things? As well? uh, honestly, no. I mean, I know that there are active groups for people with things like rheumatoid arthritis who've got heart disease or had bypasses and stuff like that. I'm on a Facebook group for, um, it's called Heart Attack Survivors, um, and it's an international Facebook group. Um, but no, not actual meetups. Um they did some Zoom get-togethers during lockdown, um, but I didn't partake in any of those because there were thousands of people on wanting to do it. So and that all had to be whittled down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but no, because EVs is really my passion. Um, okay. That's what I you know tend to get involved with. Um, sadly, lockdown and everything else to do with the the COVID viruses hit us hard when it comes to sort of meetups and all of that side of things and even the events. I mean, I love Fully Charged. I think it's probably one of the best outdoor events that I've ever been to, and I've been to lots um, and with work, through my working life. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Fully Charged. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's an amazing event, and every every year it just grows and grows. It's uh, it, anytime I go there, it's it's you know if every year I go to any sort of meetups, not just uh, fully charged, but any sort of events that that way, they it, it, the growth is exponential. Basically, it's it's just blowing up. Yep. Um, you know, which is which is probably not the best uh, way to describe it, but no, probably not. <laughs> no, I think one of the, the big things that I really like about it is I get to meet face to face all the people that I chat to either via Facebook or Twitter or WhatsApp that I'm talking to all year round. We have the opportunity to get together, you know, we're manning stands together, we're wandering around, we're chatting, um, we're going out for meals and we're going out for drinks. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And long may it continue. Here, here. Um, is there anything else I haven't mentioned, I haven't talked to you about? You know, any... um, Well, obviously, the, we have some issues at the moment with uh, rapid charging spaces in particular and disability access. Um, I've certainly found, and I know others have, where some of the setups at rapid chargers are, how do I put it, not inclusive for disabled people. Um, they're actually the way that they're designed and put together actually makes it really difficult if not impossible for people who um, have severe disabilities should we say wheelchair users in particular will struggle to get access to those charges um, I'm quite lucky that I can get up and I can move about to a sort of limited degree um, but somebody who's wheelchair or confined to a wheelchair will find it very difficult to access some charges I'm really heartened to see that there are some of the charger networks are taking that on board and are now looking at having dis disability consultants for when they're designing their new hubs or their new charge spot i got invited to go and inspect one in dartford recently um, okay. for osprey and they asked me to go and have a look at it and check it out and i have to say it was brilliant um the way that the way that they've put it together 
it's the new tritium chargers that uh, infras or boxes that they've used and the way that they've laid it out rather than it being at the end where you reverse it or drive into the charger they've done it like a petrol station where you drive in and the charger's to the left or to the right of your car okay just kind um, of like uh, like grid serve um, yeah um, okay. And the way that the cabling's done is the cable will reach, no matter which way you park in, the cable will reach any charging point at any point around the car. Um, so that's good. But one of the, as I've said before, one of the big issues, um, particularly with people with some disabilities, is the weight of the charging cables. And, yeah, and unfortunately, as the speeds are going up, then the charging cable thickness is going up as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And also when they're introducing things like liquid cooling, you've not only got the weight of the raw materials, you've got the weight of water being circled, cycled around the cable to keep the cables cool. Yeah, I've, I've seen some people have tried introducing um, chargers with the uh, like arm that would extend and kind of carry the weight of the cable yeah. to help you. Um, but I haven't seen too many of those uh, no around. i think the chem powers do it yeah um which is very good um but yeah, there's a there's this very sexy sort of little charger that you know yeah everyone's always surprised how nice they are yeah and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of those because off sprayer working with chem power yep. and hopefully we'll see a lot more of theirs going in around the uk so uh, you 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 said about the sort of access to the disabled, you know, for the disabled people to charge us. Um, the um, two, two questions there. How have you done any long sort of uh, long routes yourself, you know, uh, just to test things out? Have you been, how, how easy is it, is it basically for somebody like yourself? Because ne never mind, never mind the, per the person who's, you know, just anxious about charging in general and those people exist especially if they haven't done any long routes in an ev um but i presume you know having a disability kind of adds on top of that yeah i mean look i uh, i limit myself to 200 miles but you know my car will do you know just under that but 150 200 miles is my maximum um okay. it's pretty much what i call my bladder range um Long gone are the days where I could drive Scotland to Ramsgate without stopping. Um, but so, yeah, I'd need to stop. And I do tend to plan my routes. I think people, one of the big issues with people swapping from uh, an ICE car to an EV car is the fact that with an EV, at the moment, you do have to do a little journey planning before you go anywhere. Um my best mate, Steve, whenever he goes anywhere, he'll have primary charges where he's got to, where he's going to stop. But then he also has a backup charging location as well. So yeah. we're going next to about 100 miles, I'm going to stop here. But if that one's not working or it's full, then I go five miles around the corner and I know there's another charger here. Um, and I think people at the moment want to be able to get out of a nice car get in an EV and drive it exactly the same as you would an ICE car. And I think at the moment that isn't quite there. No. Um, I, I, I think the charging infrastructure is good and you will be able to find chargers. You will be able to find chargers en route 
And luckily now, when you go to any of the UK service stations on the motorway, you're actually getting a, char a choice. You've either got the electric highway, and a lot of them now, you've got Ionity. Yes, um, yeah. And it's not just two chargers in the petrol station. You know, Ionity on average are putting eight chargers in. Um, so you've got a very good chance of being able to get around the UK on the motorway network without having a problem charging. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I um I tend not to plan my uh my trips, but it's just because I know that you know I'll if I drive on like I say on the major uh, uh motorway or whatever, the, there is going to be service stations and there will be a charger. And I the other thing I've learned is with my car can can do about two hundred and fifty mile on the charge. I will need to stop to stop earlier. And then that, even if if it's just to have you know, ten minutes stretch of my legs, uh, or have a coffee or whatever, it is just required because it will take me a couple of hours to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the big things that I advocate, and I think it's good for just people with disabilities as well as able-bodied people, is at the moment, when no matter what EV you've got, you'll have to stop within two hundred or three hundred miles because that's the, the maximum range of your car. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to stop for about half an hour. Um, with the best will in the world, it's going to be in, at a half an hour on average. I think that makes for safer roads because it actually means that drivers are well-rested because True. every couple of hundred miles they're stopping, they're getting out of the car, they're stretching their legs, they may be having a loo break, they may be getting something to eat. And I think half an hour rested before you get back onto the motorway means that you're not tired, you're in a better frame of mind. And that's one of the big things I advocate for driving an EV is I find an EV much more relaxing to drive than I would an ICE car. Um, yeah. I, I fully I agree. I've been saying that, that to people. I don't know <laughs> why that is, um, but I actually am a more mellow driver in an EV than I ever was by driving a petrol or diesel. I used to be quite an angry driver. You know, everybody on the road's an idiot. Um, my God, where did you learn to indicate? Where did you get driving license? Pick a mix, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm much more chilled now. Yeah, uh, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the it's the fact that you're um, you're driving in a sort of quiet environment, and uh, you still have that speed if you need it, and you have even more speed than than you know in a nice car. Or power, I should say, but it's it's much more relaxing environment. If you if you want to, you can just chill and you know kick back and and relax. And like yeah. I say, I think way too many people do. We, we kind of joke that people are always saying, "Oh, but I want to drive from you know Edinburgh to Penshurst in one go." But I'm I'm sure there are people who do long, very long drives uh, in in private vehicles, and they don't stop, uh, and they, then they drive like muppets, basically. Yeah, it, I mean, I can honestly say that I have done Glasgow to Ramsgate nonstop. Um, I've been up there for doing a, a a small exhibition, and then I, all you want to do is just get home yeah. when you've had a long weekend working at an exhibition. Um, and then, you know, I'll leave the exhibition on a Sunday evening or a Saturday lunchtime, depending when it finishes, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll just drive all the way home tank make sure the tank's full and away you go and i look back on it now and think just how stupid that was 
um, because when you get home, you're absolutely exhausted. Um, your bladder feels like it's about to burst and it's actually difficult. You have difficulty walking. Um, and I just think, no, actually having shorter ranges and shorter available ranges in vehicles makes for safer roads. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I drove a few times from Cork to uh, Belfast or Belfast to Cork and back. Um, I don't know how many miles that is, um, but it's a long drive and you enter the town after the, uh, driving on the motorway for so long and you literally feel like everything just goes, pa- goes past you very, very quickly and, you know, it's not very safe. And, yeah, looking back at it myself, I, I you know, I've never... I've never enjoyed that. I've always needed uh, quite a few hours to kind of recover after it, and that's not 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 great. Um, no, do, definitely not. Do, do do people disabled people in in ice cars? Do they tend to drive a bit more as well, or is that you know? Because obviously you've mentioned you know there's obviously hundreds of different or thousands of different types of disabilities. So I don't want to you know generalize. But generally, you you probably need some sort of a rest or 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 stretch uh, your limbs or whatever, or or you you know you have a disability in your hands or whatever. You 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 do need to kind of recover from uh, from having to focus, right? My personal experience, I need to have a break. Um, obviously, I need a certain driving position to make it comfortable for me. Um, and the flip side of that is actually being in that position for any length of time has an adverse effect as well. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, definitely. I need to rest more often than I would have done when I was driving an ice vehicle or, you know, I had a, I had two ice vehicles whilst I was disabled before getting the EV. Um, and I still, and I wouldn't drive to the full length of the tank. I would still have to stop every 150, 200 miles because I needed a break. Okay. Because the other thing is, if you've got a full bladder, you're not concentrating on your driving. No, you're you just know, thinking you're, about where's the loo, right? It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. How long <laughs> can I push it to like, and that's, I think that's not good for anybody. No. Um, no. You know, disabled or able-bodied. Um, but as you say, there are thousands of different disabilities and every one, one of us is different um, and everybody's needs are different. You know, some people need cars with adaptions on them. And again, an electric car is easier to adapt than an ice car, in my humble opinion. Some people need hoists. Um, and where we're now starting to see vehicle to load adaptions in vehicles, it means that actually you bolt the hoist in and then getting the hoist to work is much easier because you can plug it into the vehicle to load it, um, cabling rather than having to come off the 12-volt battery. So then you can run the hoist off of the drive battery rather than the auxiliary battery. Because one yes, thing so I've noticed point, is yeah. the 12-volt auxiliary batteries in EVs are much smaller capacity than they would be in an ICE car because they don't have to deep cycle mm-hmm. on the starting sequence. Um, so the less load you can put on that battery, the better. Yeah, I, I do wonder whether whether um, car manufacturers, you know, I need, I need to ask some people who I know in the OEM space, do they consider these things when they desi- design vehicles? I know that they do consider different sort of uh, different human factors. You know, like some people have uh, 
different types of size of fingers or whatever, or or you know, different lengths of hands, or some people are left-handed, right-handed, and all that. But I do wonder if they actually take into account that down the line somebody with disability might be able to drive this car, and they actually need to have, be able to I don't know say do everything with just left left hand, or just you know because because they actually missing a limb or uh, or they don't or the some people do do not have. Feet. I, I would uh, be very, very surprised to hear that a vehicle manufacturer genuinely considers disabilities okay. when they're designing their cars. I, yep. would, I think they would consider able-bodied differences, as you say, arm length, leg length, back length, all that sort of thing. Um, okay. But I would be very surprised if disabilities is even on their radar. Yeah, yeah. The The, the other thing that... Um, speaking of of kind of designing chargers differently, because I, I, you know, I'm able bodied at the moment anyway, uh, and I've I sometimes struggle to <laughs> to plug in cars when it's super tight. Like um, Instavolt has been putting their chargers in uh, McDonald's recently, and they're crammed in in, in corners usually, um, and it's very hard to even you know park two cars next to each other and plug in. Uh, uh, and just get to the charger uh, if somebody's uh, on the ne- next uh, parking space to you, or if you have to park right next to the wall or right next to the hedge, um, you got a limited amount, amount of choice basically when it comes to wiggling the cable. Um, and like I said, the cables are very thick, so you know it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of, bit of a, um, a ballet dancing routine basically sometimes to to kind of unwrap the cable, plug it in, open the flap, uh, and then figure out which way to start the charging and then go back. I think um, the best way I've described it is it's like trying to convince a boa constrictor to go down a hole head first um, because that's what it feels like sometimes with charging cables. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what they're going to do about those sort of situations as well. Um, like, yeah. It's- I think at the moment they're being led by uh, probably I do know this because of some inf- inside information that I have. Um, they are led by what they're being given to areas to install a charger. So if they go into a car park um, at a supermarket or into a pub or whatever, they are told we can let you have X, Y, and Z space, but that's all you're getting. And then they have to fit their chargers to suit what they're given and i think that's going to happen for a little while at the moment until they realize that actually ev charging is good for our business Mm -hmm. so what we need to do is make sure there is space for it um i don't think there's that train of thought at the moment it's a case of you can have that and no more and then they have to cram it in so a lot of it i don't think is the charging company's fault i think it's a combination of factors that means that actually this is what you're going to get and there's any, there isn't anything we can do about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it becomes different when they're building hubs um, because, you know, a hub is a wide open space. They're building what they want and it's much easier to then make things easier for everybody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, do, you, do you think, well, from, from the, the chats that I had with a couple of uh, people from charging networks i know that their aim is at the moment to kind of secure the place and connection to the grid um and that's kind of their first you know they're not making money on it currently they know this is the future so they have to kind of 
you know, be in in there just to kind of be able to grow, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and they and like I say, they're probably just given a space and they just have to live with it uh, or work with it, uh, which you know is not too bad because that that makes everyone a bit more focused and we we need more charges to to make the adoption kind of uh, you know keep going up. I think there's still plenty or there are tons of charges now compared to when I started driving EV in uh, sort of late 2015. So things are looking up basically, but but now we with more and more chargers and more and more EV owners, we need to actually look at other people, disabled people as well as, you know, there's, there's lots of women who are uh, um, kind of afraid to uh, charge in a dark lit, you know, un- unlit location uh, in the middle of nowhere uh, uh, in the evening by, when they're by themselves for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, and I've said this before is that accessibility isn't just about disabled people. It's about other people, you know, not every man in the world is big strapping and you know able to you know act like a rugby player so and vulnerability is a big issue and i find it uh, an issue for myself and i know that it is for men and women and it is quite scary that some of these charges because this is the space they'll be given it's tucked in the back end of nowhere it's hidden there's no lighting apart from the glow coming off of the screen. Yeah. Um, and there's no security. So what it would be really nice is if these charges, as we're moving forward, because now's the time to make the changes or implement the, the sets of guidelines to make things happen, that charging points have a canopy. They have lights. They have CCTV. They, they've got to have um, a connection to the internet or the ethernet to do data for things like RFIDs or contactlessly billing. So putting in an IP camera is not beyond the wit of man yeah. to ensure that you've got cameras covering the charging base so that you can see what's going on. So God forbid anybody's attacked that or something all goes on, that there is evidence of it, video evidence. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, it would in the opposite thing if people know that it's well lit and there's cameras and the cameras are monitored that actually then people are more reluctant to do anything nefarious in around the charging base yeah and it, it, it is a bit of a differentiator as well to have those things in um and i've i've seen in person people being attacked um at uh at, at, the, at the time ecotricity charges um on M1, uh, by let's just say people who are not were not very happy about EVs in general, they just basically blocked the charger uh, f- for somebody and were very aggressive. Um, and it was because there was no cameras, and even though it was a car park, the charger was in the far end that was fairly poorly poorly, poorly re- uh, lit. Um, and you know everyone parked close to the entrance, so that area kind of becomes a. Uh, uh, an open space for somebody else to to be a bully, essentially. Um, That's shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah, and you know, I've, I was the only one person who basically stood up to them and just tell them to you know go where they should go. Because um, I, I just, I, yeah, I cannot stand bullies. Um, no, you know, I'm, I hate bullies. Absolutely. That, that was a while ago when EVs were fairly new. Um, but you know, uh, but I was shocked basically. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, when it comes to canopies, it's it's, it's interesting because um, 
for me, it, it's a no-brainer. You know, um, uh, you know, we we kind of both know a lot about electronics and and stuff like that. And when you when you leave a, a, a fragile piece of electronics equipment outdoors all the time in all the sort of weather, obviously it's going to deteriorate quicker. Uh, so putting a little bit of you know canopy that not only shields the human but also the the equipment should be a no-brainer um, when you were installing a bunch of chargers. And to be fair. It's not going to um, take away from the charger. It's going to add to the charger. Yeah. Um, it's you know everybody that you speak to says, "Why haven't we got canopies?" You know, if you go to a petrol station, hundred well, I'd say almost hundred percent of them are under some sort of canopy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that should be the same for EV charging. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know it is safe. But people do worry about plugging in charge cables when it's raining. Um, so yeah, protection is is good, and it it lights the whole area because you can put a whole load of LEDs into a canopy and actually yeah. floodlight the area where the charges are. Yeah, and they'll be a bit more visible that way as well. I think, exactly, um, you'll be able to spot them from a mile off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, as, as we both know, a decent LED doesn't require a lot of electricity no no it's literally just um you know a couple of watts of uh, that could be on all the time yeah um, i think we're all like uh, uh have they've started putting uh, leds in their um in their destination chargers now okay um, but i haven't seen them around they're little kind of black boxes i think there there's plenty of them by the seaside in near foxton and sort of that way um near dover as well they're just little black boxes with a um, a type two socket. Um, And if you imagine on top of it, kind of a a, a ring of LEDs just to kind of light up the area. Um, I think that's a, that's a great thing. That's a great idea. Yeah, no, definitely. I also suggested a while back that maybe people should think about putting LEDs in charge cables. So if a charge cable is lying on the floor all the time, it's plugged into the car, it lights up. Yeah. Um, Making the charge cable, you know, really really visible yeah and you can use it, use it kind of like a torch if you're um if you have if you have one of those evs that doesn't have a very good lit uh charging port so you can yep. see where you're going yeah um, no. that's a that's a very cool idea uh, hopefully somebody will pick it up uh, yeah <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing if anyone's interested in uh in talking to you about you know not only just disability and, and charging but also kind of consulting with you they can reach out to you via twitter yeah definitely yeah. i'm i'm happy to talk to any charge company infrastructure company who want to talk about disability access they want you know if they need somebody that can look at their designs or their or their their sites to see whether their disability and access that's a bit accessibility friendly i'm happy yeah. to do that and i'm quite happy to do it free of charge as well um, I think it's important to give back. If I've got the knowledge and I can share it, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, and you, and you're a very technically minded person yourself, so it's not like you're, uh, you know, you're just giving it from the sort of the the perspective of, of a disabled person, but you're also able to kind of understand technical constrictions. Yeah. Cool. Um, last thing that I always ask everyone, but nobody knows it off the top of the head anyway. Do you know any good EV jokes? Oh no! <laughs> I think it's shocking that I don't. Oh, well, there you go. There's a joke. 
<laughs> it's not a very good one. <laughs> Do you know any EV jokes? No, shocking. <laughs> no, definitely. No, I, I, I don't. Um, I've, like I said, in the years that I've been doing this, I haven't heard any any single one. But I always ask, I like to ask people. Um, no, I, I don't think I've ever heard any EV jokes. I might have to see if I can write a few. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Uh, right. Uh, th- thank you, John. No, no problem at all, Greg. Really enjoyed it. Right, uh, that's it when it comes to the interview with John. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, there is going to be another part to this, um, hopefully with the mobility. Uh, like I said in the insert, if you can ask them on Twitter on my behalf um, to to just get on and uh, and get ask some questions, that would be very nice. I think I think uh, it would be nice for uh, to hear from them. I also have another guest who will be talking about. Uh, uh, optimizations towards you know people with uh, all sorts of other issues um and just you know who differentiate from the mean basically um not just disabilities which i hope you'll find interesting but that will come next i don't want to make this episode too long as always thank you for listening if you've been listening this far you're amazing follow me on twitter uh look us up on patreon and just chuck us a quid um it would help so much and you know spread the word subscribe 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 everyone in your family and uh, i'll see you on the next one there's quite a lo- quite a lot of episodes um uh, i've got in the in the chamber uh to be to be uh, uh revealed revealed in the next month so watch out see you later <laughs>